Hello, welcome to episode 8 of the Monarch Ministries podcast. Tonight we have a, another very special guest for you. Tonight we have um, Samantha, one of the last two choir members to, to be on the podcast. And Sam has been here for, for quite a while now. She's been um, incredibly helpful getting us all started and, and organized. And, and she's been incredibly outgoing and friendly. And just a, a huge help constantly to the server and a good friend. And um, we're, we're very excited to have her on tonight. So hello, Sam. How are you today? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm doing also pretty well. What's what's going on? Um, I am getting packed up to move to Texas, Texas. Uh, in two days. Now, where is that? <laughs> that would be in the best part of the country, the South. The South? Hey, I, I live in the South. What? Whoa, I live what? in Texas, too. That's crazy. Whoa. <laughs> That's that is crazy. I had no idea. Really, you never <laughs> mentioned it. I know. I like this. I thought I would surprise you on the podcast. Oh, okay, okay. I'm. I'm it's great to hear about. All right. Yeah. So surprise. Surprise. I live in Texas. <laughs> so today we are doing um, the second to last episode of the the Tools of the Enemy, and today we're going to be talking about um, the religion of of atheism. Um. And, and the impact that, that atheism and, and evolution and the kind of follow-the-science mentality has on our culture. And so um, there are kind of two trains of thought. Now, I, I believe um, and have always subscribed to the idea that, that atheists really kind of um, are in of themselves their own religion. Um, but others would, would argue and say that it's the, the total lack of religion. And so um, my question to you would you know, they they would also argue that, that they're not part of any religion. They're the the absence of religion. But I would say things like the incredible call to, to follow the science and um, the extreme militant disdain towards other religions, um, including and especially Christianity, and several other factors kind of indicate that their behaviors and their actions do indicate the... Um, behaviors and actions of a religion so would you would you group them in the religion category or, or simply just the lack of religion honestly i don't think i could put them in either category entirely uh, i'm looking at the definition of religion right now and they talk a lot about um a, a great a, a common theme is uh, a system of faith or worship or had there being a superhuman controlling power um and atheists i as you were saying there are a lot of traits of like sticking to the science and wanting to follow that wholeheartedly and they don't necessarily tend to to question it um because i think i also think christians should follow the science but i think christians are more likely to question it and to try to actually get to the truth as opposed to I think atheists are fine to settle with whatever seems to fit their their narrative and don't don't take the time to ask the questions that science should require of them. Right. Um, There's a difference between follow the science and follow where the science leads. Right. Um, but I like they would. I don't think you could really say that they worship science, except in it in a sort of. Um, almost like a mocking way because if you were to tell an atheist that they worship science that that would not fly um 
I think, and I think that's probably a fair, a fair statement uh, to, to kind of stick with. So even though I don't think that they are um, a religion, I think the statement that they are an entire, like a, a, a complete lack of a religion at all is also not a true statement. All right. I, I, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I would say, you know, with, with the definition, the, the only kind of um, part of that I would disagree with, or, or I, I could see there being an issue with, is they, they certainly don't believe in any higher power of any sort. But um, mm-hmm. the the idea that they have, you know, faith in, in, in um, their sequence of events in the Big Bang and, and all that, and their um, worship of, you know, certain figures in, in popular culture um, and in the rounds today, um, I think of guys like Bill Nye and Neil deGrasse Tyson and Carl Sagan and um, that crowd. And then, um, you know, the Einsteins and the Newtons and all that. Um, they, they certainly have their, their people that they revere <clears throat> and their ideas that they revere. And, the, um, you know, they're even not without their, their big doomsday prophecy, right? The, the climate change thing. Um, and, and so, mm-hmm. you know, definitely they do lack that higher power. And there is not one atheist that would say, I, I subscribe to a religion or I believe in a religion or I worship the science. But, um, you know, there there's indicators there that they do follow kind of that regime. They're all in sync in, in some sort of way, right? Yeah, I would agree. I actually went to um, a, a an Ayn Rand uh, objective standard conference uh, a couple years ago. Um, and something that really uh, upset me um, as someone who does like facts and science and like constantly learning more was um, there There was one particular instance. They kept talking about Ayn Rand, you know, like I'm pretty sure she's dead. Um, and like her books and they're, they're fiction books. I never read them, but they're not deep philosophical like works that she's written um and these speakers this one speaker in particular they, they kept referencing her um throughout the whole event um and this one speaker in particular i remember got up and um he said something about about philosophy he was like now one might think that um like through logic or through the train of thought, the natural train of thought that you that we would come to this conclusion, but we know from this one quote in Ayn Rand's novels that that cannot be the case. And to the whole the whole conference, they mocked religion, specifically Christianity, and our belief in the Bible. But then they turned to a work of fiction by a lady from you know decades ago, and they almost evolved their train of thought and almost sort of followed a scientific um, sort of course of, of adjusting what you know and coming to a new, more accurate conclusion. But instead they were like, but no, no, no. Our Ayn Rand in her you know, book, Atlas Shrugged, her Bible, Atlas Shrugged, said this thing so we know that this natural train of thought cannot be true. And that to me was a huge sign of like this, this, at least this particular train of thought, this particular group of people were kind of 
following a religion. So this like subspecies of atheists, you could say, objectivists. Wow, there. So like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and read the Lord of the Rings, and then every time I see a gold ring, I'm gonna believe that it has like superpowers or something. <laughs> Goodness gracious, that's scary. Yeah, so I didn't. I I stopped going to uh, the talks in that conference <laughs> after that. <laughs> oh, really? I lost it. I I did. I I made some new friends and hung out with them instead. But yeah, I mean, you look at, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, similar things there. You think of, you know, scientifically there has to be a cause to every effect, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And and you take the idea of the Big Bang, well, you know, I I can't remember the guy's name. It was some Catholic priest. Of course he was a Catholic. Um, came up with the the idea of the Big Bang. And, you know, because this guy said, well, there was a Big Bang, um, now that's that's kind of the, the adopted and, and agreed upon theory in, in the, the theory of evolution. That's what's being taught to us in school. So how come every other effect needs a cause, but not that one? Well, it's because this guy said so. There's no um, foundation for it, right? Yeah, I've heard that um, atheists basically their whole worldview um, requires one miracle and that's the creation of the universe that everything came from nothing. Mm -hmm. And then after that, no more, no more miracles are allowed. Yep. Plot hole. (laughs) So inconsistencies. Exactly. So according to um, that, that theory of evolution, you know, everything continues to evolve. And if you look back and, and, and you read the science books and you listen in on the classrooms and things like that, and you listen to the lectures and all, everything continues to evolve. Um, and and they, they show it through the the long history of Earth, the, the I think it's four point something billion years now. Um, if, you, if you see, you know, the fish evolved into lizards and the lizards evolved into dinosaurs and the dinosaurs evolved into chickens. And... Um, you know, everything continues to evolve well throughout recorded human history. There's been no um, significant observ- observable evidence of any macroevolution. And so, um, you know, atheism is is more adopted by um, kind of the left kind of um, people who, who have a vested interest in um, destroying the Bible and in discounting anything that that christians say and discounting um christian science and and christian beliefs um and and so do you think that idea of of macroevolution has contributed in any way to to some of the more outrageous um leftist ideas kind of like um the fluidity of of gender is the big one now and and how you know kids can be transgender and, and all that mess um I think so. Um, if you hear a lot of their their claims about um, gender roles and things like that, they they talk a lot about how it's society who who imposes that, and um, it's not necessarily how how things are meant to be. And women can do everything a man can do; they're just as strong, just as blah blah blah. Like, um, and the word evolution. Is kind of thrown about a bit willy-nilly now um, because I don't think anyone if you talk to anyone now they're not they're not 
when they say the word evolve or we're evolving or we have evolved um, in terms of in terms of recent history, they're not talking about macro evolution of of species, one species turning into another. They're talking about um, small changes that are already in like can can don't require a massive shift um, necessarily like that that macro evolution does require. Um, so I think they're kind of, they kind of use it as an excuse and um, a, I don't know quite what the word, right, what the right word is, but um, I guess we'll just stick with excuse for now. They're using it as an excuse to do what they want and behave how they want because of evolution and because they can't, if they use that, they can't really be held accountable for what they're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was preparing the questions for, for this one, um, I was watching a, a Michael Knowles video on some celebrity came out as gender fluid or something. And, you know, as um, you know, growing up, I, I had that argument in school a hundred times if I had it once about, you know, evolution versus creation and, and Christianity versus, you know, whatever. And my my question w was always, well, if evolution is, is, is real, if that's how we got here, why don't I have a tail? A tail would be great. Um, you know, why don't we see any evolution these days? And I think, you know, if, if you can't... Um, while I was watching that video, I, I got the idea, you can't, if you can't prove it objectively, if you can't prove it with um, facts and observation, if you can't prove it, you know, scientifically, um, then you have to, to put up the facade. And, you know, honestly, in, in, in kind of a twisted way, it's, it's, it's pretty brilliant, the, the, the facade they've put up, um, kind of the, this idea of cultural evolution and, and using the the cultural shifts that they've made to impact their physical lives and, and impact um, the way kind of society views people. And if they can, um, you know, pull that curtain over our heads and say, well, um, the, the big evolution shift in the past, you know, few hundred years is, is this idea of, of breaking down gender roles and saying you can be whatever you want to be and abolishing this idea of gender. And so if, um, that is, if, if their goal is to promote and, and to prove this idea of evolution, they can't do that without any, um, evidence towards it. And, and so, um, they, they have to create it. And I, I don't see any better way to create it than this, this idea of, of, um, gender fluidity and things like that. Yeah. Cause I, I suppose you could argue that, um, evolution is what caused us to like like evolution society is what call, caused evolution to um have end up where where we are with the generals we have we we have now um if you can assume that then it would be just as easy to try to reverse that mm -hmm. and switch it up and go back or not even not go back but um sort of undo that and and change how that is set up in society by changing society, I suppose. 
Right, but that that doesn't I really about, about that much. A good question. Um, you know, obviously, um, male is the stronger sex, and that's why throughout history, men have been the ones who who've done the the fighting and wars and the hunting and things like that. Um, how do they reconcile that with the modern ideas? Do you think? Um, which, what do you mean? Like, if, if evolution has been the purpose for gender roles in the past and, Mm -hmm. and now the narrative is, is shifting to, we're evolving into, um, this, this more nebulous species where, where gender isn't as important. It doesn't have an, um, any impact on society. How do they, you know, they can't have their cake and eat it too, is, is what I'm saying. Um, that's not, if I, if I were to answer that, I'd probably just be, uh, speculating, I think. Um, I don't think that's something I've thought enough about to, to give much insight on right now, unfortunately. All right, no worries. We need just a pop in the head question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, you know, the, the, the title here is, is Tools of the Enemy. And, mm-hmm. and we're talking about things that, that are being used against um, Christians. And I think this idea, um, atheism and evolution, is, is really, um, as far as society goes, the, the biggest um, tool that, that can be used. You know, it's like, it's like the biggest hammer. It may not be, you know, as, as potent as, as Catholicism or, or pornography or things like that, but um, it is... It, it has a large impact. And so um, if you look, all of the governments of the world um, accept this this idea of, of climate change, of man-made climate change, um, despite, you know, all the um, valid arguments against it. And and the whole education system is, is based around evolution, and um, especially in, in universities and in um, higher sciences, there's, there's no room for... Um, Christian discourse and, and things like that. Um, how do you think we got to that point? Um, it was replacing... It, there, there, I think there are a lot of factors. Um, if you look at old, like the beginning of America, the old primers that um, like small children were taught to read um, from, like in... in I don't know, great. I was homeschooled. I don't understand all the grades, but like elementary school, I guess. (laughs) Um, What they learned to read was the Bible and they were, Christianity and God was, was a huge factor in the, their upbringing and informing their world worldview from a very, very young age. And families were allowed to, instill beliefs and and set examples to their children um but once evolution became a widespread theory scientists really clung to it and kind of ran with it and and just you know pulled things kind of out of thin air to to try and make it fit um and once that happened there was no longer what you would call a need for God. And that's a lot of atheists will use that argument now. They'll say, oh, we don't need God anymore. And it, that doesn't, I, that argument doesn't, is a silly argument to me saying we don't need God because we have science. Like, 
either he was already there, always here, or he wasn't. Like he doesn't. He just doesn't disappear because now we have science to explain oh, things. Right. And, like it doesn't. I, I don't like that argument. Um, I I think it's uh, flawed and intellectually weak. Um, but they were able to put that in schools instead of God. And when you were when you remove God from the equation, it changes your entire worldview and it changes how you operate in the world because there, if there is no God, then morals aren't real. Um, nothing matters basically because you're going to die anyway. Um, you create your own purpose. You live for yourself. Um, and you don't have to follow the rules of a magic man in the sky. I think people like that. Right. And um, exactly. It's very enticing to, to not be accountable. Um, and, and if we do have to be accountable to, to God, um, which we most certainly do, um, then I think, you know, even even some Christians have have done a bad um, job, but but especially kind of the um, the atheists and and the other crowds who who've come forth and, and kind of promoted Christianity as this set of rules instead of the the perfect relationship with God that it is, and the um, absolute freedom approach of atheism is very enticing to to people, and so it's very easy to to promote that over a God who, who's watching over you. But, you know, as, um, the Bible clearly states, um, God doesn't want to, to hold these, these commandments and these rules over you. He wants to have a, uh, you know, a father, son or father, daughter relationship with you. He wants you to be part of his family. Um, and you know, it, it's, it's the message of, um, come in, and I'll take you, and I'll I'll wash you, and I'll clean you, and and through your relationship with me, yes, you will um, see changes in your life, and you will, um, you know, your your testimony will be one of of love and of Christian um, behavior. But you know, as a a Christian, I'm more free um, through the power of Christ than any atheist possibly could be because as um, Romans 6 teaches you know how are we that are dead to sin can, how, how can we that are dead to sin continue any longer therein we were dead in sin now we are dead to sin um, because we've been washed by the blood of Christ and it's it's a it's a difficult concept to, to understand these days because um, at face value, the the idea of Christianity has been kind of um, watch watch this watch the word choice here devolved into <laughs> um, you know this this set of rules. It's it's the Ten Commandments and and nothing else. And so that um, idea mm -hmm. of, of liberation and and kind of you're only accountable to yourself can be incredibly enticing. Yeah. And I, I think um I think science has become 
something that I feel like Christians don't take, don't look at enough and don't add to their, their faith in Christianity enough, but they should because all, all truth is God's truth and everything good and true is, is God's domain. And it, if, if something is scientifically true, then that's how God designed it. And it, just because the Bible doesn't say, you know, the mitochondria or whatever it is, is the powerhouse of the cell doesn't mean that it's, that it's not. And I think atheists and, and basically mostly atheists, probably agnostics as well. Um, I'm not sure what other uh, religions, um, they've kind of claimed science as their own. And I think what Christians don't do and what they should be doing is sort of reclaiming it and using it to back up what we already believe because a big issue that I know atheists have with Christianity is um, uh, I think it's circular reasoning where we use the Bible to prove the Bible and that's not going to convince anyone that doesn't, if you were to, you know, if an atheist were to, or maybe that's not the best, best example, but if someone were to come to me um, from any other religion and be like, oh, you know, the Quran says that um, you're wrong and I'm right. Like that, that's not going to convince me. Right. Um, and I think a big issue with, especially young Christians and how we're being raised is we're not taught how to defend our faith and how to come across, come across, not across, <laughs> um, as intellectual and knowing what we're talking about and intelligent and not just, Oh, I believe this cause you know, my parents told me so. Um, cause growing up, I did just pretty much believe because my parents told me so. And then I had, um, an encounter with an atheist where basically he made fun of me for belie believing in God and Christianity. And I didn't have a good answer for him. And that was really upsetting to me. And if I hadn't, I started looking into it. And if I had just stopped at, you know, the first few atheistic arguments um, of why Christianity wasn't real, then I probably would have, I, there's a chance I might've lost my faith or I wouldn't have believed it as strongly as before. But when I really dove deep and I looked into it and I started studying and learning and, and teaching myself, I saw that it was true and that I could defend it intellectually. Um, and I didn't just believe because my parents taught me or because the Bible says so. Um, and I think that that's a serious issue, both for when it comes to um, teaching others and being witnesses to others and when it comes to raising up our our children, the next generation of Christians, so I think it's important that Christians reclaim the areas of science and philosophy and um, theology and like every just reclaiming things and teaching our youth the truth and teaching them, you know, what to say and how to act and why why things are the way that they are and using it to glorify God more instead of just, you know, saying, oh, you know, Samson, you know, didn't trust God. He trusted Deborah and she kind of talking like 
Like, Bible stories are good and important. Whatever. <laughs> As a six-year-old, I had a massive crush on Samson, and I was very sad when you he died at the end of the story. Of course I picked Samson. He was big and strong. So was David. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Samson, I guess, is just more my type, okay? And even He's, though it was, like, thousands of hair. years ago... <laughs> You know, I don't, I don't hate it. It, de- it depends. That's <laughs> is, is the um, <laughs> I was by the end of it, I was not as attracted to him. Um, oh, okay. But, but yeah, we don't, we don't have to do all on this story. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, teaching obviously teaching young Christians about the Bible is important, but also teaching them the science and and being like. Just, just teaching them to defend their faith is equally as important. I I agree, and and I hope I'm not putting you on the spot too bad here. But do you have any examples of, of of something scientific that you studied that that helped you kind of reinforce your faith? Um, there are a lot. Uh, I'm used to uh, talking um, with atheists one on one, where they have specific points that I can. Uh, sort of um, answer, but I like to talk about the origin of of the universe a lot, and it's kind of what we kind of already went over it. But um, you know, the, it's impossible for something to come out of nothing, um, and there had to be. I I I I bring up this a lot, but I I haven't read the book, and so it's not as well articulated. But um, there's this book. Uh, by, I don't remember his first few names, but his last name is Warner, I believe. I think it's like J. Wallace Warner or something like that. I think he does um, Cold Case Christianity. Uh, he wrote this book called A God's Crime Scene because he used to be a homicide detective. And um, I heard him speak at an apologetics conference two years ago. So this is where <laughs> most, of my comp- uh, most of my knowledge comes from was a, a brief overview from two years ago um, where he talks about how when he's studying a crime scene um, and it's, you know, there's a dead person. The reason how one way that you figure out whether it was a homicide or suicide was whether or not everything in the room could be explained by what was in the room. So like a suicide note written by written with, with a red pen, well, where's the red pen? If there's no red pen, then it came from outside the room and that meant it had to be murder. Um, Because there had to be another party with that red pen to get in and out of the room. Um, Or like, you know, a gunshot wound to the head, but there's no gun in the room. Or the gun is on the other side of the room. Or there's there's something in the room that can't be explained. Like there's, um, uh, where did this, you know, white piece of drywall come from in a room with, you know, bright pink walls um so if it can't be explained by the contents of the room then it had to have come from outside of the room so he took that mindset of being a homicide detective and applied it to the universe basically and he was like all right time matter morality um there are a whole bunch of different things that i can't i can't really remember because they're very in-depth in-depth and complicated i haven't read the book yet and i really need to um and he basically looked at all those things and he's like, all right, can they be um, explained by inside of the box? And 
they could not, they had to come from a being that transcended all of those elements and basically existed outside of the box. Um, which is kind of how you explain having a God that is never ending, eternal, um, you know, exists, omnipresent, all the omnis. Um, so that's a really interesting thing that I, I honestly need to learn about more. Um, but what actually, this is kind of, I, I like to give long answers, I guess. <laughs> no, that's but, good. Uh, <laughs> one of the, the first book I think I probably read after this first encounter with this atheist um, was The Case for Christ. And um, it specifically went into the evidence of not only Jesus Christ, but the evidence that he rose from the dead. Um, and I found that really fascinating. Um, like they, he even went into one thing that really um, I found interesting was the medical aspect of how Jesus actually died on the cross, which first of all was evidence that he did die on the cross. And also was evidence that um, the gospels were a reliable, like eyewitness um, account. The, there was one thing in particular where um, the, when Jesus was stabbed um, in the side, and uh, blood and water came out. Mm -hmm. um, that that's like I don't know the words. I'm not. A, I don't know the medical term for it. But that's an actual, um, like a, what's the word? Um, yeah, natural occurrence or like condition that occurs when you're when like a state like this happens or um, like like there is now a term for it that they wouldn't have had back then that they wouldn't, wouldn't have known existed unless they actually saw it come out of him. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of stuff like that in, in that book. Um, it would, we'd be here all night if we, if I went through all the stuff that I remember, but um, those are just, just some of the things <laughs> that um, I really liked and really helped me. Yeah, well, that was that was a, a really good answer. I like, um, you know, this when when you were talking about the homicide detective and, and him kind of taking that idea of, um, you know, if if this was a suicide, if if this was self occurring, it had to happen. Everything has to be in this room, and and applying that up and and, and kind of blowing that up. It, that that really good um, paints a good picture of how powerful and mighty and just unfathomable god is and you know explaining that um and and understanding that that he must be there and that he he had to you know create us and that he did create us and and just really you know sitting there and and, and trying to to wrap your mind around all that he did and then thinking to yourself and he knows my name <laughs> right mm -hmm. And, and wants a relationship with me and created me and, and said, you know, this is very good. He, he created you and said, Sam is very good. He created me and said, Kenton is very good. And, and that, that's being a Christian is so much more than um, going to church and, and reading the Bible and, and uh, you know, following the set of rules, like we said. And, you know, this, this whole kind of, these talks we've had about what are the tools of the enemy and what are they doing to um, fight against Christianity, I think 
I haven't done a great job of, of discussing and, and, and putting forward that idea that, um, you know, like, like we've just talked about, he's the God of the universe. He created all that you see around you. Um, and, and he, he has a relationship with us no matter what tools they use and, and what is brought against us to, um, to fight against our, our cause and our beliefs and our God. They're, they're never going to be sufficient. Um, one of my favorite Old Testament stories or Bible stories is the Tower of Babel. You know, this, this great and mighty and powerful, um, strong King Nimrod, one of the first great rulers on this, on this world, commissioned this, this great tower, this mighty tower, and he was going to go and, and he was going to, um, conquer heaven and, and build this tower to heaven to conquer heaven so that God would never flood the earth again. He was angry at God for, for flooding the earth and, and he, and he goes and they start building it and they, and they keep building it and, and you know, without a word, God confuses them and confounds them and, and they spread off to different parts of the, the world because they, they don't speak the same language and without, um, dropping, you know, you know, without taking any violent action, God absolutely destroyed this, this mighty man. And, um, with, with that same power, with that same fervency, with that same, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Omniscience. He, he cares for each and every one of us and, and he sent Christ to die for us. And so there's, there's no tool that can be brought against us that can, um, snuff us out or, or, or stop Christianity. And, and as we've, we've pretty, um, I'd say pretty accurately and, and pretty clearly laid out thanks to, to your, your explanations there and, and what you've given to us tonight, Sam. Um, and, and we definitely, um, as she said, encourage um, that you do go and, and, and study science and you do um, look at these things and you do, you know, gain knowledge in this world. Um, the great commandment is is that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And so it's, it's good and, and required and necessary for us. If we want to love God as, as um, with, with all the potency that we can, we must do it with our mind as well. And so... Um, you know, it's, it's just a really comforting thought that he, he's so all-encompassing that he could do all of this and, and he still knows who we are. Yeah, for sure. And that's something that I recently realized that I, I, when I, I talk to atheists or agnostics, I've been, I avoid, not necessarily intentionally, um, but when I talk to atheists, I I usually stick to the science because I expect that that's what they understand. Um, but I realize I've had some conversations more recently with more or well less aggressive. Um, I, I've spoken with with those who are more agnostic and more they believe in a god but they don't know what that god is but they're interested mm -hmm. to know what i what i'm talking about and they're more interested and open to the idea of the relationship and i i feel like they're they want to hear that more and it's because it's more interesting to them and it's something that's more valid to them it's something that they're more likely to get and appreciate and understand and more likely to speak to them probably um and I, I, that's probably true with, with 
a lot of atheists because they, I think they have um, a tendency and a, a kind of a facade of only caring about the facts, um, the facts and logic and, and whatever, but they, they actually have like some deep rooted issue with God. Um, but they said that they don't believe in him. Um, or like something bad happened in the past and like, oh, I just can't play that there's a God because why do bad things happen? You know, why did this bad thing happen to me? Um, so I recently realized that even though knowing the knowledge is very good and you need to be able to defend your faith and that's incredibly important. Um, like you were saying, the relationship aspect of it is even more important because you can be you can be saved by having a relationship with God and accepting him as your savior um, and not know any of the facts, but you can know all the facts and still not want nothing to do with God. Um, I think I don't, I can't quote the Bible first exactly, but uh, the Bible talks about how even the demons know that, you know, Jesus is savior and God is Lord and King, um, but they're not going to heaven. Um, so you can't just know it. You have to have that relationship and it's important to keep that in mind. And it's always good to have a starting point. And if, if the science and the facts is your starting point and you're um, a gardener and that's the seed that you plant, then that's still a good thing. But the relationship is more important. Right. I think at least in my own experience, and this might be um, just a referendum on myself, um, but I think this is pretty common with, with Christians. A lot of times when we do have that conversation with atheist friends of ours or unbelieving friends of ours, we we get up, um, maybe a little bit too caught up in, in the science of, of it. And those are important conversations to have, but the most important thing is, is that relationship. And... Um, you know, I believe in a in a seven day creation. I believe that the flood happened. You know, the whole nine yards. I believe that that Genesis is a very literal book, um, and that that all those things happened the way they were written down. Um, there are plenty of Christians who don't believe that, and there's you know nothing wrong with um, there's no danger to their salvation um, if if they don't believe in a literal seven day creation, or if they don't believe that um, the flood happened as it was written. In, in Genesis. Um, and so a lot of times when we, you know, when, when we're trying to talk to these people and witness to them and tell them about Christ, well, you know, they, they asked you about Christ, but now 20 minutes later, you're talking about um, the the different crust levels of the earth and how the flood can explain that. And, and what does that have to do with Christ dying on the cross? And again, those are important conversations to have and you should have them. But um we, we do often, it, it, it's easy to get caught up in the argument and not focus on the, the purpose of um, salvation sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, in, in all those things, I, I actually have a friend um, who, there, there was a similar situation there where, you know, I had talked to him for, for years and years about um the, the Bible and, and, you know, why I believe in it and, and all these things. And, you know, we're, we're pretty good friends and he's made fun of me for years for, for believing all the things I do, um, about the Bible.
but he knows Jesus, and, and he claims to know Jesus, um, and, and he knows the story of salvation, and he has a relationship with Christ, um, and, you know, I love him very much. He's a great guy and a great friend, and I have no questions um, whether or not he's saved, even though he he believes differently differently than me about you know the origins of the earth and things and we still have that that conversation often and, and it's a it's a good conversation to have and one day he will realize that he's wrong um but you know there i i don't have any questions about his salvation so you're saying this this friend um believes in in jesus christ but he just believes differently in on the science of it yeah it, it's that um, kind of idea that that gets thrown around. Well, well, God pulled the trigger, but then evolution took over. Isn't the right word, but that that whole God started the Big Bang thing. Gotcha. gotcha. I think my dad's kind of like that. I actually once had a. I just learned a little bit more about evolution and the lack of evidence, mm -hmm. um, and a little bit more about the about the uh, young Earth um, creation. And I actually had a big argument uh, with my dad where I, I, I told him, I was like, there, he was like, I was like, dad, where is the evidence of evolution in from ape to human? Like, where is that? He was like, uh, Lucy. And I laid out, I told him, I was like, well, I just learned that Lucy, you know, was barely even a complete skeleton. And they like, they is bone fragments. And some of the bone fragments weren't even really from, her and like they died out or whatever and um and my dad when he gets caught he doesn't he never admits he's wrong but when he, when he's caught he he kind of like does a weird laugh where like his eyes get big and he kind of blows air out of his mouth um and he did that and uh that's <laughs> that's how i knew i got him and that was uh <laughs> that was roughly the end of the conversation there <laughs> nice C congratulations thank you <laughs> I actually think my buddy told me um that he doesn't believe in the big bang anymore i think i'm not sure i'll have to ask him about that one so i don't know how he thinks it, it all got started but you know um we'll find out but i have found atheists who when you argue with them about wait when you just ask him where did we come from how and he's like well the big bang you're like well what about this like where oh there like how did the big bang happen what what caused it to explode what was there before it's like oh it was a speck that exploded i was like first of all how is that possible and second of all like where did the speck come from like once you get back there they don't have an answer for you and this one of the atheists i talked to at this conference that i mentioned earlier I, i'm pretty sure his answer was just well why does there need to be a reason like he he didn't have a good answer so atheists will pretend to have all the scientific answers, but then once you ask them, once you really get down to it and ask the hard questions, they don't have good scientific answers for why things are the way that they are. Well, and I don't even think where did it all come from is, is that hard of a question, but if you can't explain where the origin came from, then how does the rest of it make sense? You know, our answer is very clear. It was God. God was always there. Um... <laughs> But if, you know, this inanimate object just one day decided to blow up and, and there's no going back to how that um, 
how that got started, then the rest of it kind of falls apart, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are a lot of there are a lot of things that don't just line up to an atheistic worldview. And there there's the saying, um, I, I don't know who said it, but uh, it's about how the first the first sip of uh, science will lead you to be an atheist, but then at the bottom of the glass there's there's only God. And it's because once you actually get into the science and you actually realize how complicated and how how carefully designed everything is um you realize that the only explanation is a knowing like all-knowing um i don't know all the words that they use for but but a god who is very careful in his design and is very personal and not random at all yeah and and he's not and, you know, we, we could go on about, you know, how there's no way an explosion could form an eye or um, a brain or so on and so forth. Um, and I think we've, we've covered that base pretty well. And we, we've talked a lot about the, the kind of philosophical implications of the differences between what we believe and what um, the world believes. And so kind of as a last kind of overarching question, um, how can we promote and, and kind of push back against that narrative these days in any meaningful way? Uh, the narrative of uh, evolution. evolution? Yeah. Um, just I, I, a certain tactic that I have recently learned, which has been difficult for me to implement um, in my own life because I like, I, it's it's more recently become um, a more common trait, but uh, asking, asking questions and asking um, like getting them to see the flaws in their own argument um, because that's a very non-threatening way and non-aggressive way of getting someone to reconsider what they believe. Um, Cause then they think that they're doing it by their own choice um, and not cause they're being forced to, or because, you know, my friend Sam said that this was wrong and I'm going to look at it. It's because, Oh, Sam asked me this question and I don't know the answer. And I actually want to know the answer. Um, it's a tactic of, of you, you sort of gather information and then you ask a question that kind of pinpoints the flaws in the argument. Um, and this kind of, this can cover, um, whether the, you're looking at from a scientific point of view, um, of like, well, where's the evidence for evolution or from the more philosophical point of view because like we discussed evolution um in an atheist mind eliminates the need for a god um and therefore changes the whole worldview that they have um so just the short answer is asking questions to first of all understand the specific person that you're talking to um, and second of all, to 
pinpoint the flaws in their train of thought. Yeah, I'd say that's that's definitely probably the best way to do it. They're very inquisitive in their nature, and I would say the only thing I could really add to that is know the answers to the questions they're going to ask you. Um, yes. And like we've discussed, you know, love the Lord your God with your mind as well as, as everything else. And there are several good um, books to read, um, like the one Sam mentioned, Case for Christ, and um, things like that. Um, there are some great Christian scientists out there, um, people who, who have um, done lots of work and research into you know, kind of confirming things in, in the Bible and looking back at them. You can also look at old historians like Josephus. Um, did you ever, have you ever been to that ARC exhibit in, in Kentucky? Um, I have not. I think I've heard of it, though. You should go. It's it's really cool. Um, I was, that was kind of a side-off thought. Um, I may say it was the one, was it the one, I saw a video where Bill Nye went to a massive art exhibit, or art exhibit, and, um, like, asked, asked the, the host a bunch of questions about, yeah. about it, and, yeah, that was that it? the one. I was very, not gonna lie, I was very disappointed in the host's answers to Bill, to Bill Nye. Yeah, Ken Ham is, I don't, he, he's not great at debate, I don't think, but, um. Yeah. I do like the work that he's done with building the the program there, Answers in Genesis. There is a lot of, I've, I've gotten a lot of um, answers to questions that I've been asked from there before. Um, things that I didn't really have a logical explanation for. So there, are, you know, you have to wade through some of it a little bit, but um, it, it's, a, it's a good place to go. And then I, I definitely recommend if, if you have the ability to go to Kentucky and, and see that thing, because it's, it's fascinating. You know what? Maybe I will. I do love road trips. You do. You do do a lot of road <laughs> trips. I do. <laughs> you excited to come down here? I am very excited. I got. Did I say I got two more days? I think I said that. Did you? I'm right, pretty so. sure I did, so. In the Monarch Ministry server, which now is the best time I can see to plug it, um, Samantha's <laughs> nickname right now is Texas in two days. She's very excited. <laughs> I am. I do not. I'm in Minnesota right now, and I, I, I unfortunately, I feel like I didn't get to really experience Minnesota to its fullest because it is a beautiful state from what I did get to experience, but COVID. I, I've been here like a year and a half and COVID's been going on for over a year now. So, and, and the part where there was no COVID, it was winter. So I really didn't get to experience it much, but I am ready to be out of the cold North. I was born in Georgia and I've always wanted to go back down South and now I finally can. So I'm, I am very excited. That's kind of unfortunate that you didn't get to experience Minnesota as much as you wanted to, but I will say yeah. having never been to Minnesota, Texas is a better state. <laughs> I can I can agree in in some areas, probably most areas. Probably all areas. Uh, we have better pie. Dinner. I mean, I believe that. <laughs> um, and better sushi and barbecue. Yeah. Um, 
but okay this was a really cool my roommate and i last summer um we were able to go on like some some like weekend trips to different areas of minnesota and one of them was a black sand beach up by duluth Mm -hmm. and that was really really cool it was just and it started raining and thundering and lightning while we were there it was just such a cool experience so much fun that's cool it'd be cooler if it was in texas probably i can agree (laughs) again um thank you for coming on and, and talking about atheism thank you all for for listening to us and we do want you to join the monarch ministries server so you can come and have evening devotionals with us and um you know we we do have a good time I think they had game night tonight. I had to work, um, so I wasn't able to make it tonight. But they had game night today. It was it was a good time. Um, so do follow that that link and, and join our our devotional server. And we will see you next week. Have a good night. <laughs>